Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Good morning today. I'm so glad to introduce you to Rachel Adams. She's a speaker and an author and a podcaster, which is so great. And you look like, you know, 30 years old, but that's okay. And uh, maybe you are, maybe you're younger. Sorry, Rachel. Rachel, would you tell us? I'll be 40 in February. All right. Well, this is coming out probably in March. So you will. So I'm 40. Yeah. You're 40. (laughs) Well, I turned 70 in May and it's been a great year. So you have lots of great things to look forward to. But Rachel, we look forward to hearing from you and and the message and the passion that God has laid on your heart. So Uh, Rachel Adams lives in Kentucky. She is a podcaster host of The Love Offering, which I just love the name, The Love Offering, because that's something we want to offer every day, right? God's love. And so you'll be telling us a little bit about that. And she's written a great book, A Little Goes a Long Way, which we're going to hear a lot about today. So Rachel, tell us first about your family, if you would, please, and then we'll talk about your ministry. Yeah, so born and raised in Kentucky. Our claim to fame here in Somerset is we have the largest man-made lake in the United States, and we are the houseboat capital of the world. Really, and it's the it's the truth, and so that we we don't live on the ocean like you do, but um, <laughs> we are. Um, that's, that, that's the best body of, of water that we have to offer. And so I've just been born and raised here. It's a small little town. I met my husband the very first day of college Hmm. and, um, he and I, it's funny, I kind of looked at him and thought he sure is cute, but I better stay away from him. (laughs) And he looked at me and told his parents that day, I think I met the woman that I'm going to marry. So we, we, we joke that God looked down at that moment and thought, oh, if you only knew but you'd be together now 20 years and married for 16 with two children, Will and Kate, who uh, we named before the royal couple. Um, <laughs> that sounds so familiar. Got Will together. And, and how old are they? Um, they are 11 and 13, so both in middle school. And so, yeah, my, I just lead a quiet life, really, doing the mundane things, ordinary things that most people do. We have a, a little farm that we... Um, just built a house on. So we've been Wonderful. spending our time doing that. And we have lots of, of dirt um, <laughs> surrounding me. So hopefully one day we may have some crops and some animals, but still building wow. building some fences. And um, I don't know, just uh, I, I love my life in, in my little Kentucky town with my, my little family of four. Does your husband, did he know he would be like, I don't know if you call yourself a farmer mm. when he married you? Is he from farmland as well? He, yes, he is an avid outdoorsman. He lived in a different community than I lived, but he used to come. It's interesting because he would come as a child to Lake Cumberland and he would dream about marrying a Somerset girl. And sure enough, wow. I was his dream come true. <laughs> or maybe the community was, I don't know. Or both. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, it's relative someday. You're his dream. Sometimes exactly. you're, you're his nightmare. It just depends on the mood, right? That's exactly um, right. You came, um, you said something about living in your RV. What's that about? 
Yeah. So when we were building our house that we're currently living in, we decided that we would live in an RV in on our land as we mm. were building. And it was kind of more, honestly, my husband, we, we were, we didn't, we sold our house really quickly. And so we kind of didn't have anywhere to go and we were mm. looking for what we were going to do. And then all of a sudden my husband literally just pulls our new house <laughs> <laughs> up our land on the back of his truck. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be an adventure because I had never been in an RV, let alone live in one. And as I mentioned, it was my husband, my two children, my two dogs and me Oh wow! for a year. Uh, but honestly, it was so much fun. Yeah. We made the best memories. We grew closer together, you know, because <laughs> we were literally, literally. closer together. <laughs> <laughs> I love so it. Just, just spending time mm. together and, you know, you can't separate to to different rooms and go mm-hmm. your own places because there's nowhere to go. Um, yeah. And so, and just to enjoy being out in nature and it just simplified life in lots of ways and helps you to realize what's really important. Mm. Um, I can relate to it a little bit when my husband said we were going to remodel. He said he would push out, he would have to push out the front of the house because we only have 10 feet in the back. Cause in California, you don't have the spread that you do in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he went on to say without pausing, well, he sort of paused, but he, he went on to say, and we can live in the back of the house while I do this. And I just was so thrilled that I was going to get a bigger kitchen that I didn't really hear that part, <laughs> right. but our remodel was 13 years. So we were cold. <laughs> But we lived, we learned what was important too. And we would just put space heaters in the bedrooms and then have companies sit on the beds. That's what we had to do to continue hospitality. But praise the Lord for small blessings and big blessings, because I think those things, like you said, teach us what is really, what really matters. And those Mm -hmm. kids will never forget that. My kids wrote essays to get into prestige. I can't say that word, big colleges based on, uh, how they suffered through the remodel. <laughs> we called it character building, but yeah. uh, that's, yeah, you do find it. So when you wrote this uh, book, a little goes a long ways. And when I think of that title, I'm thinking of, you know, butter, you know, you just need a little butter or maybe you need a lot um, or a little goes along. I'm thinking of acts of kindness, but your thing was, is con- significant. So tell us about the title. Tell us about the book. And I'll have some more questions for you on that. Yeah, it really came out of this tension of, I felt like my life was too small. You know, my days are waking up, making my coffee, having a little bit of quiet time, taking my dogs on walks, packing lunches, taking my kids to school, maybe a workout at the gym, going to the grocery, throwing in a load of laundry, making beds, answering some phone calls or some emails, going to the post office, making some meals, cleaning up those meals, (laughs) you know, doing some homework, going to a ball game. And then you do it all over again the next day and the next day and the next day. And it was kind of just this, this, this wrestling with the Lord. Okay, God, this, these are my days that you, you know exactly how I'm spending my time. And does any of it matter? I want it to count. I want my life to count. I want to do big things for you. And so does this matter for your kingdom and for your glory? And I, so I just went to his word, you know, when I struggle with, with something that I'm wrestling with, that's where I know to get to the wisdom. And as I just poured over the scriptures to say, okay, God, I, I, I think you think I'm significant and um, is what I'm doing. Does it matter? And the more I just researched and poured into what he says about me and what, what I do and what we all do, I found that a significant life is actually simpler than we think. Mm, that's well said. A significant life is simpler than we think. 
Why do you think we try to make it more complicated? I think we try to overcomplicate everything that God intended to be simple, to be honest. It's this, this Pharisee, Pharisaical, legalistic approach to life where we're doing a lot of religion rather than just accepting God's grace and his love. It's like we feel like we have to earn it or strive or mm-hmm. perform to do all these things. And I think especially in our culture today, it's it, it culture is telling us that bigger is better. Mm. And loud is better and shiny is better. And so there's, you know, our little lives that are unseen and ordinary and routine that that can't matter, can it? And so I really, I just, I just feel like I want to change that narrative. Mm. I feel like Jesus changed that narrative. He really, How how so? Yeah. You know, if you, if you look at the life of Jesus, he was born as a baby in the tiny of town of Bethlehem. He never traveled outside a hundred mile radius. Hmm. And if, and if you think about how he spent his time, even as a boy, not much of that time is actually recorded in scripture, but we can likely assume that he was a carpenter with his earthly father, Joseph. He was studying scriptures and sharing meals and spending time with his family and his friends Hmm. in his little community. He would go to church, you know, in the temple. And so that's how he spent his time before his official ministry began when he turned 30, like most rabbis did in that time. Mm -hmm. But then even after that, he shared meals. He attended weddings. He went to funerals. He held children and washed feet and spent time with one woman beside a well with one cup of water. And so if nothing was too insignificant for the savior of the world, then nothing is too insignificant for me and for you. And your tagline is... Uh, 52 days to a significant life. Does that sound like someone would buy your book or read it and say, okay, in 52 weeks, I'm going to be significant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's actually a little bit misleading because we are all leading a significant life. We just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I hope to prove to everybody. It's not about a list of more to do. We are all so busy already. It's right. just about starting to value the little that we are already okay. doing. I like that. A friend of mine told me recently, I'm done with all the lists, Mm. you know, like you see on Instagram or on social media, five ways to be happy, six ways to be, you know, develop a new habit. Uh, And so that's why I hesitated when I saw the tagline, but I love it that you say we're already significant. We just have to receive the grace. When did you finally figure that out for yourself? Uh, I still, I think I'm still figuring it out. I think it's a daily battle because the messages of society, again, can just be berating. The enemy, I feel like, is always, since the very beginning, he's been trying to distract us from the perfection that we already have, the life that we already have, and trying Mm -hmm. to get us to look for something bigger and better and different and keep our eyes on what everybody else is doing rather than us. But, you know, the, the... the scripture tells us we are created in God's image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. When he created us, he said we are very good. We are image bearers of Christ. And if if we are believers, we have his Holy Spirit residing in us. And so what could be more significant than that? And so I think just reminding ourselves of our identity and our inherent significance as his created beloved uh, daughters and sons. We are, we are God's children. And so that alone makes us significant to be his workmanship. That's my favorite verse is Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship or his masterpiece. But I, And so I, we can really start there with that. We are significant already. But then that second part of that verse says that we were created in advance to do good works that he prepared for us to do. So while we're here, there is work for us to do. And so the, the key, the key is, is to not gain our value from 
the work we do, but there is value in the work we do. Yeah, that that scripture has been uh, meaningful to me as well, though I have struggled with the tension between God has made me to do something and I need to do it, but then I'm already significant and I'm already accepted in the beloved. Uh, how do you, what do you do when you feel like yourself that you have been, um, that you're feeling down a particular day because what you've done, oh, I didn't sell enough books. No one's asked me to speak. Um, I, I know I've been grumpy with my husband or short with my children or just the whole idea of significance. What do you do or what helps you the most, Rachel? I guess that's what I'm asking you. That yeah. would help you get back into that frame of mind of truth because you're really just, we, we just need to accept the truth, but how hard that is sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the truth is always found in God's word. So that's right. the first place to start, to start in prayer and say, Lord, I want to do good things for you and for your kingdom. So help me to pay attention to your Holy Spirit prompting. Help me to open my eyes to see the ways that you're working, the ways you are using my life, even though may, they may feel smaller and more mm -hmm. unseen um, than I'd like for them to. And then I think making a list of, of being a, kind of reflective on, and I know you said you love lists or maybe your friends don't, but this is more of a- I love lists. I love you, oh, okay. Well, I my friend too. doesn't like a list, <laughs> but this is more of a record. We'll call it a record of okay. the ways that God has been faithful mm -hmm. and how he has used when you really look, it's, it's much easier to look back on God's faithfulness, to have faith and look forward, I mm -hmm. think. So when we start to say, okay, God, you use this encounter with mm. this person or this conversation or this invitation or this prayer, these are the ways that I have seen you work in my life and my friend's life and my family's life and people in the Bible in the, their lives. And so when we start to reflect and see how God used all those little things and those unlikely candidates and those ordinary people, and I'm giving um, air quotes here, then it's much more likely that you can start to identify and see how God will use them in the future. So it's kind of like this, it just grows. You're, you know, anything that you, you're grateful for and you start to pay attention to, it's interesting how God will kind of open your eyes to see and appreciate those things in the future and in the present as well. Do you ever say, do you ever start thinking of the, in those terms and then go start, it starts molding or melding over into, wow, I must be a pretty good person. Hmm. Yeah, we're all tempted to be prideful, right? Um, and and but pride can be our downfall. And so we really have to guard against that that humility. And I think that a part of this feeling like we want our life to matter, but feeling like we're too small for it to kind of does still make us dependent on the Lord, you know, when in our weakness, then we are strong. And so there is a kind of humility that is valuable because then we want him to get the glory rather than us. And I think the key is, is it's not anything we're doing that makes it makes us significant. It's the one inside of us that makes it significant. So I think, yeah, we definitely have to realize that it's only with, with him partnering with him that he turns our little offering. Um, he's the one that multiplies it. So we just offer what we have, our re resources, our gifts, our talents, our time, and we just offer it and we say, mm -hmm. yes, and I'm willing Lord make, take this little and make much of it. I think it was Oswald Chambers who wrote that he um, puts his life on the altar to surrender to God, and then it keeps crawling off. <laughs> and I, I think that that can happen to me daily. You know, I can start in the morning and say, Lord, I give my life to you. I give my to-do list to you. I have a to-do list that says, number one, relate well with God. Number two, everything else. Because 
it has to start there, which is what you what you are saying. But within minutes or day or hours, I can c- come crawling off the altar and wonder what happened. Um, there seems to be kind of a narcissist view. I feel that has really um, permeated even the Christian culture of finding our identity, finding our significance. How do you counter that? Because uh, the young people coming up, much younger than you, even are saying, hey, I want to be a value for God. Mm. And yet, how do we guard against, okay, I'm going to find myself today in God without kicking God out or making him second or third or last? Well, that's a good question. I've not been asked that yet. I think we need to guard ourselves and and put on the the armor of God. To be honest, um, because that is a, a temptation, and the devil would love nothing more than to make it about us. And so, really, the whole idea of all of this—the reason we're here on Earth—is because God has loved us. We then are to go and love others, so that they can come to know and love Him mm-hmm. too. And so I think maybe it's as long as our motives are pure and maybe it just looks like a prayer, God search me and know me mm. and, and clean my heart. Um, because if, if we aren't careful, God may humble us, um, himself. Mm. Um, and I'll have to look at where that is in scripture, um, because he will discipline us and he will, you know, there are consequences to the behaviors and actions and the things that we do, those natural consequences, you know, just like a little can go a long way in a positive sense, a little can go a long way in a negative sense. And so we can find ourselves um, down a path that we wish that we weren't just by little actions, little behaviors um, and little choices along the way too. Totally. I, uh, when you were saying offering yourself to God or offering this, whatever it is you're doing, whether you're taking somebody some banana bread or you're offering to pick them up from the doctor. I think that we could, there could be two people doing the exact same thing, but one is honored by God and one is not when we're doing it with God's strength and grace, even if we're fighting pride. You know, I found myself because I'm a speaker, so I am up on a platform. So people naturally put you up on a platform. They put you up on a platform, Rachel, because you're a published author and uh, you're godly and, and your life looks perfect from the outside. But God knows our hearts. And so I want, last Saturday when I spoke, I the Lord gave, graced me with this. It's not like I'm so spiritual. But in the morning before we left, which was quite early because it was quite a drive, I thought, wow, God has gifted me with this particular gift uh, today to speak to 100 women over two topics, right? And the gift of experience, just like he's giving you right now. Um, So I wanted to give the gift back. So the gift back was me actually doing the work. You know, so if if you, Mm -hmm. if God, God has given you this work to teach women about their significance in him. But if you would say, oh, no, I don't want to be proudful. So I'm going to not let anybody know that I've written this book or I, you know, I don't want to, you know, it's, it's almost, uh, I think if God is teaching us about the tension, he has something more to teach us. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, it's not, it's not that we don't, it's not that we think badly about ourselves. We just don't think about ourselves at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm not there yet. And I, I really want Jesus to be so, and I know you do as well, to be so all consuming that we're not even reflecting on, was our life significant today? 
Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. It, it is just our heart. And, you know, I was thinking about a friend like, several years ago, she encouraged me with the, the, the question, are, are you okay being the one to plant the seed, but never experience the harvest? Mm-hmm. And I think that that, and then there's even a devotion that I'm thinking of in, in this devotional, it's about a little, um, gratitude can go a long way. And I tell a story about me, um, giving food to a homeless man and he, he threw it and he didn't want it. And he was angry after I'd thrown it. And I was like, Lord, I I don't understand why you would have me give something. Or I thought I heard you to say, to go be generous to this person, Mm -hmm. but I was met with, you know, unthankfulness and almost anger. And I think it was just such an eye-opening moment for me that that's not why we're giving. We don't give for the response of the Mm. other person or even how it makes us feel. We give because God has told us to, Mm -hmm. and the outcome is his. And that goes back to, are you okay planting the seed and never seeing the harvest? We have to simply trust that we're doing what he's called us to do and trust him with the outcome. And we may never even see that until eternity. But I think that that's where faith comes in. Do you ever struggle with seeing that God has given somebody else something to do that you wish he'd given you that something to do? Or are you completely content with the role he has given you, or is it something you've never thought about? Um, you know, it's interesting, and I and I I don't live a perfect life by any means. But I, I, somebody asked me, you know, what are you what are you dreaming about right now? And I and I truly believe I am living my dream mm-hmm. already. You know, writing a book and having a podcast and getting to to share about the Lord and have conversations with wonderful women and have a home and a family and. Um, I'm just, I am very content with my life and, and I'm not sure why I'm so blessed or if it's just the, um, maybe it, it is just my heart posture of, of where I am, but then I can look at other people's life and think, well, how did they not, how are they not as fortunate as I am? And, you mm-hmm. know, that's a question for the Lord someday. And some, sometimes it makes me feel guilty that I, I get to have what I get to have and others don't get to have, um, that, but I still, you know, there still is kind of a longing, you know, you can look at people with bigger platforms or have sold more books or New York times, best-selling authors, or have, um, more listeners on their podcast than me. And you can't, you can get very discontent if you keep your eyes on everybody else and what they're doing in numbers. Um, and, and so I do have to be mindful to just kind of stay in my lane and trust that God's given me what he's given me to steward and that he made me exactly how he made me and has me exactly where he wants me. And, um, so yeah, I guess that's a both. And I do struggle sometimes. Um, but then other times I just feel very, very fortunate and very blessed with the life that God's given me. And it reminds me when my daughter surprised me and sent me to a Bob Goff's big dream conference, which was $3,200 and she paid my way to go. And I said, honey, my dream, I don't think I have one. So you don't need to do that. But she believed in me and that was the best part about it. And of course it was fun to meet Bob Goff. But uh, yeah, our dreams are met in Jesus Christ. And uh, that sounds so noble, but it's true. And so I think the more we offer ourselves to him daily and say, what is it you want me to do? Is it just to take leftovers to the widow or down the street? I remember taking cake to this homeless woman who sits outside our grocery store and she goes, I don't like cake, just like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I thought, okay, then 
Is that her issue? Or she really just doesn't like cake. And uh, so you're so, you're so right. That's such a wise thing to know that we offer, but we don't worry about the results. Mm -hmm. We just don't worry about it. It's the fruit is God's work. As you know, John 15, you know, we abide Mm -hmm. and uh, he brings the fruit, but we're, we're not the fruit inspectors, you Mm -hmm. know, and it could happen years later through our children or through someone who just listened to one of your podcasts. What do you view as to the toughest problems that Christian women face today? I mean, maybe it sounds like a cop-out answer, but I think it is this idea of significance and trying to work for our significance and not realizing that we already have it inherently. And so we're striving and weary and busying ourselves so much trying to attain some end goal when God has said, I've already done all the work for you on the cross. Just believe in what I've I've given to you. And so we're we're just tempted to almost make idols of ourselves and in, in some mm-hmm. ways, back to your point of of this, you know, our significance is the end all be all. Um, but it really isn't. I, I really hope that through this message that people realize that our, we are significant because Christ is in us and we're in his image. If one of my listeners today is hearing this and saying, yes, I do believe what Rachel is saying and what the word says about my significance, but I really don't know what my next step is, or I really don't know where God wants me to minister next. What kind of counsel could you give that woman? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I wrote this from the the vantage point of a 40-year-old woman with, two, you know, two children and kind of where I am in a small town in Kentucky. But what I've realized is, is um, a lot of women that are receiving it are re- already retired. They're not working any longer. They don't, they're not raising children and they're physically not able to do what they once did. And so they are battling with this idea of significance as well. So I'm just, I'm, they're at their home and they're not really around many people. But what I, what I hope to show is you can still write a letter. You can still make a phone call. You can still give an encouraging word. You can mm-hmm. still open a door, say hello, start a conversation, um, attend church and and talk to the person in the pew or at the coffee shop, extend an invitation, you know, You can be present with somebody and give your time. So all of these things that we are already doing. So wherever you are, whoever God has surrounded you with, you know, just pray. It's a simple prayer. God, help me to see this person as you see them. They have a need. They probably have a burden or something that they are carrying. What do I have that I can offer right now to help and meet that need? Mm. Help me to see this person as you see them. That is a beautiful prayer. And that could be a prayer that we could pray daily, don't you think, to help uh, help us not only feel significant, but also to fill our day. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of in that situation you were saying, because my kids aren't home. I am very busy doing ministry, but other times I think, well, what's next? You know, and I think, well, I'm, ca- I'm kind of tired. <laughs> and, uh, but there's still a neighbor who needs some banana bread or needs actually some time with me. Mm-hmm. or with uh, yeah. on a walk. So I just love it. In your book, do you list different things to do? Mm-hmm. I do. When actually, as you're talking, I just want, want 
I guess everybody to realize not only are we significant, everybody we are around is significant too. Mm-hmm. And I think going back to what you said, you know, the import, the work that we are doing is important, but I think what's getting us all tangled up is we want everybody else to realize that our life is very important too. And it goes mm-hmm. back to, you know, how we're being seen and how we're being viewed. And really it just matters on how God views us. And so I, I hope that we all get there, but yes, to answer your question, each day is a little something. So a little beginning, a little prayer, a little word of encouragement, a little courage, um, a little sacrifice, a little gesture. So yeah, every day is a little personal story from my own life, a biblical story to back that up. And then a little task, um, that you can do. Uh, but again, it's not, it's not really about adding more to your to to-do list, but just valuing the little you're already doing. And, mm. and again, I want to make sure I don't demonize big things. God does certainly work in really big, miraculous ways, but yes. he, I also don't want us to discount the small ways that he yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. He's so big, you know, we can't really keep track of him. And that's the whole point. He's God. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking about, I was telling a friend this the other day, you know, it, our vision was not if the if gathering, our vision was not the big dream podcast. Our, our, my vision was not your vision, but it doesn't matter as long as we are completely surrendered to him and just doing, you know, each day what he's called us to do. And the, I think the biggest encouragement for our listeners could be, oh, God really wants me to do something for him and he will give me the power to do it. And it will mean something at the end of the day. Whereas others might, you know, they might be saying, well, I don't do it like Sue or I don't do it like Rachel. Therefore, I'm not doing it at all. Mm. Right. That's right. Uh, You know, my podcast is on legacy and living and living our legacy now, not just after we're dead. So um, what legacy would you want to make sure that those who know and love you, that you are leaving for them? I want to leave a legacy of love. You know, I have the love offering podcast and it really stemmed from this conversation with the Lord. There was a love offering envelope in front of me in, in mm-hmm. at church. And usually those are for monetary giving, but I just felt the, the little whisper of the Lord say to my heart, like, Rachel, you are my love offering. And so how are you going to go do that? But the irony in that is I was doubting what I had to offer. Mm. But, you know, because we all have been given God's love and we have his Holy Spirit in us, we have that fruit of the spirit. And so we have plenty to offer to the world. And so I hope when people think of me, they think um, that that Rachel did love the Lord and she tried her very best to offer and show that love to everyone around her. And how are you doing that right now? You know, I, I really have been so passionate about this, you know, uh, this book and this podcast and my online ministry and even ministry at church. But more than anything, if I get anything right, um, I want to do and love my family well. Mm. Nobody sees that. Um, you know, but my husband and my children's, you know, spending time with them, making sure they sp- feel special and um, cared for and, you know, through meals and making sure that they, you know, helping with homework and, and making sure I'm always in the bleachers at my son's ball game. Uh, I think all those can seem really small, but I think, I, I think they make a bigger difference to them. And, and, you know, in some ways I'm, I'm raising my children's children or my children's parents, I'm sorry. And, you know, and, and that, that legacy, it's going to live on. And so if they feel loved and their identity is secure, then they're going to pass that along to every every classmate, every teammate. Um, and I know that those concentric circles will continue to spread and God's love will hopefully spread even in that way. Mm-hmm. And we will never see the harvest, at least maybe on this earth. 
of what we've done. It's kind of fun. I have older kids. So when I see them uh, reflecting some of their upbringing, not always the good parts, but the, the good parts, when I see that, I go, wow, that's God's grace mm-hmm. that they actually did pick up something that they lived in their homes. And also they'll, they'll see others' homes and realize that ours wasn't so bad, you know, when they see that, because one of my daughters is a therapist. So she deals with the, the very unhealthy and the sad and, um, and then has come to appreciate, I think, what she got from the Lord from being in our home. I really appreciate what you just said. What obstacles or challenges do you have to face to overcome when you want to really love your family well and show others a love offering? I think busyness um, mm-hmm. in, in this performance mindset, really, I don't leave space um, and margin. And I have such a timetable that I don't leave space for interruption And, you know, and for a perfect example of that, I feel like as I was, you know, doing dishes and getting a load of laundry in and my daughter said, mom, will you just come and sit with me? Mm -hmm. And mom, you've not given me a hug yet today. (laughs) But here I am trying to love her in a way of doing things for her, you know, these acts Mm -hmm. of service. She really (laughs) just wanted a, she wanted a hug and wanted me to just. So sweet. So I think that that is, you know, I'm, I'm all the time so busy to get things done that oftentimes I don't realize that I just, my people just wanted me to be with them. And I think God is probably the same way. You know, we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. all the things we can do for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and while that is important, I think at the end of the day, he really wants us just to be with him and spend time with him too. And what a sweet realization that is, that we don't have to perform for him. He's already gone to the cross and back for us. Reminds me, I had a gal over yesterday for coffee and she said her her little boy will say at the end of dinner when she wants to go finish the dishes, he'll go, everybody see the clock? It's snuggle time. <laughs> I thought, I hope you write that down because that's a little boy saying that in first grade. It's snuggle time. Everybody here. We want to snuggle. Mm-hmm. So, so much for the dishes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. How does your life uh, embody the welcoming heart of God? Mm. Oh, I pray. I pray that it does. You know, I was challenged um, in a recent Bible study. Does the gospel spread wherever you go? Mm. And, you know, welcoming anybody to our table. I'm just reminded of the the church of acts and how everybody regardless of where they were from whatever status they were whatever demographic everybody was welcome to the table the table just kept getting longer and they would pull more seats up to the table and now that i don't live in an rv and i live in yeah, the, a little easier home, we can we can host so much more and we can mm-hmm. welcome people in both into our home and into our hearts and into our lives and i pray that everybody feels Christ's love here and that they feel like that they can come just as they are. And more than me just saying that I love the Lord and I want them to know the Lord, that they really just see how we are actually living that out, that our lives are different Mm -hmm. um, and that that will be inviting and welcoming to them. And Rachel, I just want to assure you as an older woman that this is happening because that's your heart. And uh, when I look at my neighbors, because we've been in this neighborhood for 30 three years. When I look at the neighbors that still don't know Jesus, that I say, okay, Lord, I want them to go to know you. What do you want me to do next? See that to do next? What do you want me to do next? But what is it about my life that will draw them to yourself? And so I think it's just a matter of God's grace and our surrender, like you've been saying, and that um, 
I think it was Oswald Chambers again that it, I read where it says, you know, you leave the room and people know they've been with Jesus. That's my goal, but I cannot do that without a complete surrender to him. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say, oh, Sue's so great. I don't want that. Mm. I want to, I want them to be very curious about why do I feel different while I'm at your table? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a whole life thing. It's not just hospitality, though hospitality is a big part of it. Jesus was always going to a meal or leaving a meal or um, talking to somebody at a meal and including everybody at the table. And because of that, once um, that's why we can be so excited about hospitality, but that's a whole nother subject. Rachel, you've been a huge blessing to my audience today. Thank you so much for being with us. Where can people find you? Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor to be here. And I, I do believe every encounter and every conversation could go a long way. So I'd love to keep the conversation going with everyone listening. You can find me at Rachel Adams Author on Instagram or Facebook. And my website is rachelkadams.com. And then you can listen to the Love Offering podcast wherever podcasts um, can be heard. Great. And um, Rachel will kindly be doing a giveaway of her beautiful book, A Little Goes a Long Way. Ways or way? A, little, a long way. A long way. Yes. So uh, just leave a comment in the show notes or on Instagram or Facebook and you will be entered for the giveaway all week long. Rachel, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.